Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Put it on Facebook. Yay. You got it. At least it. I can edit this later, and then I got good sound because I got uh, my buddy, former client, lent me these mics. These things are serious. Four fourteens or four fourteens? AGK, AK, AKG, AKG four fourteen. That uh, is a. It's an eighteen hundred dollar mic. Yay! And we have so, two. and pull it up close to you there. Because Rogan says, pull that sucker right up. Pull that right up your nose. Right up your nose. Put a fist away is what he says. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a lot louder than he is. I'm a lot louder than he is. There you go. There you go. Right where I was. Yeah, put it back where it was. Radio station, same thing. Rock and roll control on your radio. 8709152 is the number to call. It's a chum all hit music line. I thought that was Q107. You keep calling me in. We keep playing those hits. So that's not much of a lag. So, Vez, Kathy, Kathy's the handler. She's in the background. That's a, she, we should have a full, just turn the cameras to Kathy no. and just have our voice. No, <laughs> wrong. She doesn't go on TV. Uh, I always get in the habit of Greg Vesna's my guest. Um, the radio thing, right? Yeah. But it says right there, Greg Vesna, so you don't need to tell anyone. It's not like you can't see the guy and you come in halfway through the conversation. you got to say, and today we're talking to Greg Vesna. Right. So thanks for coming in, making the trip from Kitchener today. You had a lunch date, speaking engagement. I wanted to be your handler. I see you got a better looking one and probably a more supportive <laughs> one because, you know, uh, yeah, miss a, never uh, miss a chance to pile on if you ever fa- fall down is, somewhere. Is a, a woman that got him there. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> see, feminists all the way. Not a feminist. Our prime minister well, you, is a feminist. You can't use that term anymore. I used to be proud to be f- feminist, but now it's just evil. It's just it's I can't it's, I can't identify not, with the not, feminist. It's not it's not evil. If because you're a these Christina people are not Summers or I don't want to start with the Camille Pallio. I don't start okay. with this subject. Okay. Uh, so yeah. But if but I will say if you are a feminist, a true feminist, that's okay. If you're a feminazi, <laughs> that's not. And there we go. It's never a long reach until we start bringing in the Nazi yeah, reference. Yes. <laughs> well, the prime minister's chief of staff calls anybody that disagrees with him a Nazi. Really. Yes, that's Gerald Bull's claim to fame. You're a Nazi. So they're going to shuffle him out. He's going to run the campaign. Gone. He's not gone. He's well, he's gone until after the election. No. Don't uh, you think he'll just run the campaign? Uh, why? Well, because what do you want to Listen, him? look at me. These guys haven't even got in this shower yet, okay? They're not even finished emptying this shit wagon on these guys, okay? Uh, they're uh, not going to drag Jerry back into the picture. Come on. 
Uh, I the thought media you could do will that eat them alive. Co- covertly and just have them in the back. Uh, nah, I bet you there's a Vegas line on whether Jerry Butts will become the chairman and president of uh, SNC Lavalin. I bet you can get that bat in Vegas today. Taken over by the pension funds, put into bankruptcy, taken over by the pension funds, squeaky clean, Jerry's going to take care of us. Awesome. Confederation Club. So you spoke today. They brought you in on yes. alternative energy? Yes, yes. I'm a, well, alternative energy, I'm a member of multiple political parties who generally has an opinion. Right. So, a former so, conservative and former green and... None of the above guy. Yeah, no, no. It was a, it was, a, it was about alternative energy, but it was also a lunch meeting type of thing. A business. Well, it, it, it's a it's a club of uh, local people, some business people, and just some residents. It's a conservative club, small C, not not related to a political party. Um, you know, and they just do events and have speakers come in. Or you know, there's a lady there today who a few weeks ago or a month ago had her 99th birthday, so they brought her. For her 99th birthday, and had an event, a speaker, and all the rest. And, you know, it's nice. You know, it's nice. It's nice in smaller communities. People, they tend to connect a little better. You know, you get into big cities like Toronto, and nobody even knows their next door neighbor. But in smaller places, even places like St. Catharines or Kitchener, to some degree, I would say London, although it's getting pretty big. People know each other better. They're better connected with their community, and they have more, I think, of these little clubs, you know, the, the um, and and the community service ones as well, right? So, but they are, uh, they have speakers come in, and they, they they invite people that are close to their bias for some reason. Uh, but some of them just just invite anybody, you know. We don't care whether you're we like what you have to say or not. Come on in and say it. What was the connection? How'd you get in there? Uh, the the, the uh, chairman uh, of the uh, association, Pete Black, emailed me and said, invited me, please come. And how many people did you speak to? Well, is there 40, 50? Okay. Yeah, so. Lunch? Yeah, lunch. And what'd you hit, hydrofuel? I started off on hydrofuel and played the CBC video. From, from what year? CBC News from 2006 on the 25th anniversary of us being on Parliament Hill, where they showed me being on Parliament Hill with the Governor General in, in Lalonde. 18, in 1981, November 5th, Constitution Day. The same day we had our Constitution, that night we were sleeping in the Chateau Laurier. Jean Cretchen was down in the kitchen in the Chateau Laurier making the deal for the Charter. The day before, Simon de Young. And Trying the, to make the deal. They made the deal that, oh, okay. that night. That morning. Uh, the day before, Simon DeYoung, an NDP MP from Saskatchewan, the late Simon, had uh, called a press conference on the Hill. Not a person showed, right? Not one. So we phoned Ed Schreier and told him that. And uh, His Excellency Schreier was a, a friend and supporter who had driven our car in Winnipeg a year before. Uh, and, and Propane and ammonia. Industry. Yeah, ammonia. And uh, he just became the biggest supporter there was. And we got to Ottawa. We wanted a meeting. He said, well, come to the governor general's residence and i'll invite them over for dinner and and he'd have them sit there and tell them ammonia won't run a car and then he'd say okay and he'd have the aide de camp take them to our ammonia car and drive it around and bring it back and and how did you like that and oh that's a good propane car and his excellency say look that car ran on ammonia just drove across canada so don't sit here and tell me that car won't run on ammonia and and he did that to cabinet ministers trudeau was very unhappy uh we 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 shook a lot of people but, uh, you know, 
Yeah, we know what happened. Unhappy with what? Rocking the boat? Well, the governor general isn't supposed to have meetings with, you know, to oh. lobby for, for you know, <laughs> you know, private companies. Even though we were just a bunch of kids and a family, a family with a farm in Saskatchewan that decided that we knew how how to do this, and we did, and we did do it. And uh, he couldn't believe they wouldn't support us when he. Quick story. We went to Winnipeg with our ammonia car. He was premier uh, of, of Manitoba, right? He got appointed as governor general because Trudeau was afraid he was going to become prime minister as leader of the federal NDP. Uh, oh. He, oh, yeah. No, no, no. He shuffled that off. To, well, nobody's going to call you know, the first Trudeau an idiot. Oh, no. No, no. <laughs> he wasn't his, no, he was no, his no, son's he, he, The lights were on there, whether father. you agreed with the, you know, the, the, you know whether you agreed with Whatever whatever was going on, the lights were on. In any event, um, uh, Schreier is at an energy conference with Professor David Scott, Canada's great hydrogen guru at the University of Toronto, who's telling everybody we'll be on uh, hydrogen within five years. That's 40 years ago, right? We're still waiting. Uh, anyway, so we, we stand up. I walk up to the head table after the end of the speech and say, Oh, uh, uh, Excellency, hi, Greg Vesna. Oh, David, Dr. Scott, would you tell His Excellency a car run on ammonia? And Ed looks at me, and Shru- and Scott looked at me like I just stabbed him in the forehead. And he says, well, actually, Excellency, he's absolutely right. Cars run on ammonia. It's an easier way to store hydrogen. There's some real advantages to it, and it's been done before. And the Governor General looks at me, and he says, I got a question. And I said, go ahead. Can you make ammonia, uh, can you make this viable if you buy electricity at 15 mils? Meaning what? Meaning. Can you can you do this if you buy electricity at one point five cents kilowatt? Got it. Okay. Capex investment. What's your is that a bottom line? One point five or is it one mil? Or was it ten or fifteen mils? He wanted to know. Now at that second, of course, I didn't have that answer, but we had you know a dozen of us, and a bunch of us were very very intelligent people with university degrees, um, and so I said I don't have that answer. I'm not going to give you a bullshit answer. Pardon me. But uh, if you'll wait, I'll, I'll give you the answer later. How do I give it to you? And he said, okay, well, which hotel? I said, we're in the Winnipeg. He said, fine. I'm in the hotel. This is my aide-de-camp. Steps forward Randy Mifflin, who is a RCMP I knew from North Bay. Hey, Randy. Hey, Greg. Okay, what floor? Okay, just come up later and bring it up. Okay, it might take us a few hours. Trier says, I'm up late. Okay. So we go back and work. And we get the number about 11 o'clock, 11.30 at night. And I'm worried we haven't got it from there. And <clears throat> Peter goes up, my my partner and associate, and and uh, we give the number to the aide-de-camp. Randy was gone. But we give it to the RCMP. And the guy says, yeah, we've been waiting for that. We'll get back to you. And, uh, we, you know, great. We partied because we never thought we'd hear from the governor general, like, you know, until whatever, right? We didn't expect Seven fifteen the next morning, the door to knock and open it up, and there's Randy, and he says his excellence will be his excellence will be at the front door at eight fifteen, and he wants to drive your ammonia car over to the conference. Oh my God! So you know, probably when we went to bed a half an hour before that, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> so there we are. So Ed, who's from Winnipeg and the premier of Manitoba, takes an hour and a half to get from. The Winnipeg Hotel to the conference center, two two and a half blocks away. Talking, 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 talking. 
Finally, the RCMP following us, pull up behind him, roll down the window, and you're actually going to say, you've got to go to the conference, you've got to be at the airport in 20 minutes to get your plane to Ottawa. Okay, okay. So he says to us, okay, I'm going to drive over to the conference center, you wait out front, and then I'll drive the car to the airport. And he was so impressed. Now, the reason he was impressed is, let's go back to the answer to the question, he was sick, and he was in the hospital recuperating for about eight months. And while he was there, he read the Encyclopedia Britannica cover to cover. The question that he asked was the only question you needed to answer. If you could get the electricity at the right price, was this economic? He assumed, by his own inherent knowledge, that all the other issues were a no-brainer, which is correct. Three years later, the National Research Council did a study with Kinetics, which was owned by CIL, on ammonia as a fuel. And they concluded it was completely viable. There was no technical or safety barriers. um, And there was absolutely no reason it wouldn't happen. So, you know. But then uh, Mulroney got elected, and we got a letter from Pat Carney telling us we will make sure ammonia is not viable as a fuel for several decades. (laughs) Uh, Mulroney's Minister of Energy. So anyway, we knew from the very beginning that um, that the science and the economics were right, and we had some big league supporters. The problem really was the hydrogen guys hated us because if we were right, they were full of shit. Yes, hydrogen worked, but only if you stored and transported to at at uh, worst a hydrogen fueling pump that cracked the hydrogen out of the ammonia as it fueled your car because it's easier and better and safer until that point because of the chemistry, right? Ammonia's 100 PSI or 200 pounds pressures per square inch at 100 Celsius at boiling point, okay? Uh, uh, Hydrogen is 5,000 PSI, right? The other way to to store it is to compress it it is to cool it. Okay, well, ammonia is a liquid at minus 32. Hydrogen is minus 275 Celsius. Yeah, a lot of things going on. This is why LNG won't work. It takes more energy to liquefy and compress and transport LNG, which is 50% carbon, and then decompress it at the other end and then get it to, okay, and then burn it and then release the carbon than it does to make ammonia to take the carbon out of the, the gas at the plant. The ammonia sequesters it into CO2. Well, now you can mix the CO2 with some ammonia, make urea fertilizer, or you can leave it as carbon black, or you can mix it with soil and make char soil. Like, you can bury it for a, it'll be stable for three, four hundred million years. But no, 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 no. We're going to transport it all the way around the world, and at the other end, we're going to blast it in the atmosphere. Look. We can sequester it where we start. Now, if we take the carbon out, then we're not shipping the carbon, the weight of the carbon. It takes energy to move this crap halfway around the world and refine it. Look, basic math. Any form of energy, fossil fuel or renewable, that uses ammonia for storage or transport or utilization in some way, is twice as good. Half as bad efficiently. In every 
single industrial and transportation application on Earth except transoceanic air flight. Because you're going so far that the weight penalty is too much for ammonia. You can use ammonia in existing aircraft in wet wings as long as you refrigerate them because it's a liquid. And what's the temperature at 40,000 feet? It ain't no it ain't no 40 degrees or 50 degrees Celsius, boys and girls. It's cold up there. So... So in every application, as soon as you add ammonia to the picture, you're a winner. In every fossil fuel application, you take the carbon out. You separate the hydrogen from the carbon. You replace the carbon with nitrogen from air. You take that halfway around the world, and then you burn it as a fuel or however, and then the nitrogen gets released. You're not releasing no carbon. There ain't none. Same story with renewable energy. That's the reason that solar and wind and all these other things don't work, because they're not using storage. If you had storage, you could take off-peak power that's worthless, or in Ontario's case, that we pay someone $2 billion a year. Here, boys, come get this for free. Less than free. Here, we'll pay you. You'll take pay it away. Take oh, my God. Okay, that would generate $4 billion a year worth of ammonia. If all they did was give that electricity to a company, in, and if it's a foreign company, I don't care, to a company to make ammonia here in Canada, instead of giving that electricity away, Paying to give it away. now you got a winner. Now instead of a billion, two billion, three billion dollar loss, you got a billion, two billion, three billion dollar, three billion dollar investment. And this is every year these buggers are coming in and slamming and building another slamming. And every time they build a plant, they see the revenue from that, they open another one. Boom. So we have 12 ammonia plants in Canada. We capture 40% of the carbon in all of the natural gas that makes all of that ammonia and utilize it either as urea fertilizer, mixing it with some of the ammonia, or as CO2 injecting it for enhanced oil recovery, and it is sequestered. So, you know, the technologies well, just exist. Just on that one a little yeah. bit there. I, I understand what you're saying, the injecting sequestering means it stays there it and, stays there and, and the, and the gas rest. comes out right now you know am i a big fan of of fracking. of these practices <laughs> no um um but it's not fracking yeah, it's no, different okay yeah. um and you don't have to inject it in for for enhanced recovery you can actually just inject it into into a ga- old gas wells for storage okay right we can just take old natural gas storage so so you know we have the capacity um um to 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 green our fossil fuels to at least the point where we're separating the carbon as much as possible at source mm. okay. now two things happen that are one the kind of magic when you do that what we really want to ship around the world is the hydrogen in the hydrocarbons right mm. don't want to ship the carbon and there's only so much hydrogen energy that you can put in natural gas in a pipeline. And, of course, in natural gas's case, it, if to, for, for, for large volumes, for transoceanic, uh, for shipping it, it's got to be liquefied, LNG. Um, you can get away with shipping compressed gas across your country. In pipelines, you can in pipelines. Uh, yeah, we do, and then and then liquefying it. That's what they want to liquefy it at I these terminals. Was just for the trucks and the no, the no. Liquefying is for the for, the, for the and put ma- it the, the plant. You know, and it's not in your pipeline. No, it's at the end of your pipeline. We liquefy it to go on the ships. 
Oh, so you it's not liquefied in a pipeline. No, 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 no. The, the cost to build a, a liquefied gas line at those line pressures? Are yeah, you kidding okay. me? Right. This is the whole point I'm trying to make. You can ship almost twice the amount of net usable energy in the hydrogen, in ammonia, in existing natural gas lines. Mm. So... Uh, now, it's not twice, but ammonia is much more efficient in converting into working power or electricity or whatever. Uh, at the other end, especially in transportation and refrigeration applications, because the ammonia's natural temperature is minus 32, you have free refrigeration. You're not burning energy to make cool. heating and cooling. You're using the fuel as a catalyst and a heat sink, right? So, so now every and ammonia operates in an internal combustion engine at about twenty percent uh, higher efficient than uh, than gas than uh, gasoline or diesel. Um, and if it's uh, burned in pure oxygen instead of uh, air, which is seventy eight percent nitrogen, then it's as high as about fifty percent more efficient. So, for example, we closed our coal plants to open natural gas plants. But the harm from a natural gas plant is now. It's now over the next 50 years, and it's 28 to 30 times uh, worse than carbon ever could be, right? And the harm from carbon is over 500 years. Well, how much carbon will we have in the atmosphere if we increase the number of ammonia plants we have on the planet today by 100 times? Do you know how much air we would liquefy that's got carbon in it that we'd vacuum out of the air? So we'd stop putting carbon into the air, and not only would we be carbon zero, but we'd be carbon negative. We'd be sucking carbon out of the air, out of the manufacturing capacity. And guess what happens if you build an ammonia plant beside your nice natural gas plant? All that oxygen that you find when you separate air, 78% nitrogen, 20%, 21% oxygen, instead of blasting back into the atmosphere, you burn the ammonia in it in the natural gas plant. That plant is 50% more efficient than it was on natural gas, and that plant has zero, absolutely statistically zero coming out of it. Carbon emissions. No, no, nitrogen, nitrous oxide, sulfur dioxide, <laughs> absolutely nothing. Wow. Steam. And, and the technology exists to uh, enhance recovery heat, low waste heat recovery. The technology exists to recover about 30, 40% of whatever waste heat that comes out of traditional engines. In fact, the technology exists at about 10% today to uh, make energy out of noise <laughs> or vibrations that come out of engines, okay? So we actually have tools, okay? This isn't blue sky stuff. This is stuff that exists today, has existed, you know, for, for some in cases many years. And so, you know, back to the, to the practical application of ammonia. So, so you got solar energy, you got wind energy, you know, you got hydropower. Uh, in the spring and the fall, but you know you got dead times, you got off times, you got you got nuclear plants where we're blowing off steam because we can't manage our solar energy, right? Why don't we take whatever excess capacity of electricity, whether it's from a hydro plant, don't gate the water, 
from a nuclear plant. Don't blow the steam off. You built a plant. Get the electricity out of it. You know, from solar and wind, don't gate it. Don't sell it to Americans. Whatever excess we have, turn into ammonia. Now, what do we do with that ammonia? Well, all of a sudden, instead of just being a fertilizer, because remember, in Ontario, we don't have any fertilizer. Well, we, it's made in, there's one plant in St. Cat, in uh, Cartwright, in southern Ontario, but it, we don't own it. It's not, a, it's not a Canadian asset, right? But we don't have our own gas. We don't have our own diesel fuel. We don't have our own natural gas. We import all that here. Well, ammonia can be used in any combined heat power, CC combined cooling heat power generation application at over 60% efficiency, about 20% higher than than diesel, with zero emissions, using today's technology. Okay. Slight modifications. Yeah. Greenhouses, the same thing. You know, um, um, refrigeration. Same thing. Um, uh, uh, community power, okay? Transportation. You can run a diesel locomotive about one and a half times efficiently on ammonia than you can on diesel, and you can have zero emissions coming out of it. Level so, capacity for uh, distance. Same? It's better? a no-brainer. The, 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 the range is about half. Oh, it's half. Okay. Per per uh if, if for for uh un, unliquefied ammonia right refrigerate it not because of the efficiency increases you're about 80 percent of what happens you build the tank to tolerances for non-refrigerated transport which you can do for ammonia which you can do for lng if you don't have <laughs> no. lng refrigerated body it blasts out of the top out of the high pressure relief okay if you have a tractor trailer running on ammonia, uh, running on LNG, and it runs out of fuel, guess what you got to do? You got to tow it to a service, a fuel station. There ain't no tow trucks pull up and load your truck up with LNG, and there will never be. Now, ammonia, different story. Um, do I think we should have ammonia in the family car? Not yet. Why? I don't think we're there yet. I think we should use it where it's been used for 100 years, in the heating and air conditioning business, in agriculture, on farms, where they have a 1,000-gallon ammonia tank in the yard, in the yard, sitting there, and dad and grandpa and the 9-year-old knows how to do it, right? Um, But, you know, um, but, and I'm being a little facetious there, but you have the training. If you have the safety training, if you have the safety equipment available, it's it's per ton uh, uh, safety record usage for for uh, mm-hmm. for injuries and death is a fraction mm-hmm. of any other industrial chemical caustic toxic. It's, and it's not toxic, by the way. It's caustic. It's a different thing, yeah. right? Um, um, and certainly than any fuel. But uh, but it's dangerous. It'll kill you real good, <laughs> you know. But it's not the consequences are not the same as fossil fuel. It's not catastrophic, right? If you spill a, a, an ammonia tanker, to, an ammonia train, uh, into a river, you're going to kill all them fishes. There's no question. That nitrogen will suck all that. That ammonia will suck all that oxygen out of that water, and anything that's breathing in there, until it dilutes to a point where it doesn't, is dead. And if it's a river, it'll go. That'll go down that river. <laughs> Yeah. So, 
you know, um, until, again, it reaches a point, okay? Um, but a month later, then. okay, you'll have some really serious um, algae and green growth. Oh, of and, course, right. And that'll choke things out a little bit, too, mm-hmm. okay? And then, because it won't be a sustained, you know, blast of that'll nitrogen, all that'll all boom, and you'll be back where you are. All right. You dump one rail car of bitumen. Mm. One rail car, break it open and dump it in a river and watch what you got. Mm-hmm. Okay? You ain't going to be fishing years. there for 100 years, mm-hmm. if ever. Okay? So, uh, you know, so uh, you know, so there's a big difference. And the difference, of course, is, is, you know, is back to the basic science, which is hydrocarbon plus sulfur plus cadmium plus, 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 whatever wonderfulness that they've got in your... Your oil or refined gasoline or or however you get your hydrocarbons spilled, whether oh, it's refined it. or not, when that happens, oh, it. it's nasty. Mm-hmm. Okay, now, ammonia, yes, people will get killed if you break open a 10,000-gallon ammonia tank uh, in the middle of, a, of an arena. No, you don't want to have ammonia in a closed place. There have been problems already with ammonia, uh, even though there are problems with it and there have been accidents in arenas. It's still safer than the alternative. Okay? But that said, um, however, if you have a 10,000-gallon tank of ammonia that's refrigerated and it's in the ground, you can skin the top off it with a bulldozer and get out and walk away. Like... <laughs> I mean, not quite, but you know what I mean. Like it's, it's ludicrous, right? So, and and here's the thing. If you do a critical infrastructure risk analysis on 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 how we're going to deal with losing this critical infra- power, the grid, you know, water, sewer, whatever, 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 you'll find that if you had ammonia backup heating and cooling, you had ammonia backup power generation, you had ammonia fuel available, it's a dependency that you got to have. If you actually mm. do the research, you're so f- much better off having this. And it's because you could transport twice as much natural gas from Canada around the world than that as ammonia than you could gas without building one single pipeline. Do you hear that? Mm-hmm. And you can use ammonia as a backup for distributed power generation, even in a white dwarf, right? Even when you have a catastrophe and the whole grid goes down. What goes down when you get an impulse from the sun or the Russians is <laughs> your big transformers. That's what goes down. Your big transformers blow. Okay? All the small transformers, they generally survive. If you have distributed generation, if you have diesel generators that you can run, that run on ammonia, I'll tell you why in a minute, you have a backup grid. It'll take two years to get a grid back up from a major catastrophe like that. You can get a grid back up in 48 hours for essential services the other way. Now, the reason that you use ammonia and have ammonia available rather than worry about diesel and conventional supply, and the reason you have ammonia in your system is, in a major catastrophe, your fuel isn't going to be available. (laughs) 
your fuel dispensing isn't going to be available. All of that supply chain is either interrupted or diverted for first-line emergency services. But that ammonia infrastructure that's got 100,000 ammonia tanks in the province and all those nurse tanks, and you see what I mean? That infrastructure is sitting there. there, It's just sitting there. So all we have to do is start moving uh, our backup for critical infrastructure into some of these things. And the more we move them over, the less we needed the primary system. And you basically have a double redundancy for everything. We start moving a lot more energy to market. We start utilizing energy a lot better ourselves instead of losing uh, 50% of it on distribution losses in a grid in, you know, outside when it's 20 below. You know what happens to the electricity mm. we're generating, baby? You think a battery Tesla is the only thing that won't move? Come on. And the same thing with fossil fuels. When What's it gets the transmission loss? Oh, distribution for the province of Ontario, are they, it would have to be half. Wow. Yeah. If anybody said, I would, I, I know I'm not wrong on this. It's huge. Distribution losses in the line, maybe 15%. Oh, okay. But, but distribution total. losses getting the electricity to, you know, the, you know, uh, to the TMI, to the last mile electricity is the most expensive electricity, and that's generally an agricultural and industrial user out in the middle of nowhere. Mm. Right. And you got to build multi-million-dollar transmission lines to get to a, a hog farm, for example, that's very intensive, uh, a mine, a lumber yard, out in the middle of nowhere. Well, that's where they are. That's where the resources are. <laughs> you know, why do we not have any mines in the Ring of Fire? We don't have any roads. We don't have any electricity. Getting out there is expensive too. Right. And then again, you got politicians that that that, that are greens. Uh, who give government grants to people that contribute to their party. And if you're the largest contributor to your party, for example, the Ontario Liberals between 2004 and 2014 uh, received uh, 465000 from Greenfields, from an alternative, from a, 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 an ethanol company that has minimum mandates that we have so much ethanol in our fuel. You know, ethanol, the stuff, the story where there was a train load of ethanol and they moved it back and forward across the border from Niagara Falls to Buffalo, Niagara Falls to Buffalo. Every time they moved the train load over, uh, they got all the carbon credits and the cash, and then they just moved it back. Hmm. That stuff that that takes more energy to make than is in it and that Hmm. causes world starvation. Yeah, that good stuff. Yeah. So you got people that support that technology, and for getting four hundred and sixty-five thousand, the largest contributor to the Liberal Party, they were given one hundred and sixty-three million in subsidies. So that is about a three hundred and twenty percent, three hundred twenty times return investment. Not bad. Politics pays well, eh? And so here is the very problem, right? First, you got civil servants advising politicians on policy. But the civil servants are all corrupted because they're all basically bending over for the biggest company in the special interest that are friends of the government. So the report you'll get will be what what the lobbyist wants. 
And now that means you have a green fuel. You're, you're great. You're green. You can save the planet. And you qualify for a whole bunch of government money. And no scientist will go and look at the pollution that your technology causes, the harm, the life cycle harm, the generational harm, what it's done to our farmers. It has turned family farms into agribusinesses making fuel for, for, for vehicles instead of making food for people. The social cost of this stuff is even greater than the environmental and economic cost. And not only will you have one lunatic get elected and then finally defeated about five years into the program because the bills come in, <laughs> but then you'll get one elected federally too. And he's even blinder than the last one. And he says, we're going to have a carbon tax. No, we're going to have a price on pollution. And it's going to be a carbon. Ah, a price on pollution, and it's a carbon tax, and a life cycle clean fuels policy that will apply to 80% of energy, which is fuel. It won't apply to wind or solar or geothermal or anything green. And it won't apply to ethanol, which is a fuel. Okay, I just <laughs> okay. Uh, so okay. I'm just, this is starting to remind me of like an Art Bell interview because it sounds not that you're crazy or I'm not saying I'm uh, any level like Art Bell, but it just sounds too good to be true. And why the fuck? And my question to you is always when and why the well, fuck? Then, like you're no now, idiot, obviously. Now. You can carry a conversation. You can pull no. the. the the Very, chemical extraction of uh, yeah, it's come. It's, know, it's around the world. It's happening around the world, and so you know, and and and, and so we're just going to be the last. It's inevitable. It's inevitable, and we're the last. We're going to be the last, uh, and it's going to. Canadians are going to learn uh, within the next decade um, that we had at least a dozen companies over the last fifty years that were world leaders in this field. We have at least two universities that have multitudes of patents to make ammonia and make make uh, ammonia from sunlight from water from wind from vibrations from from photochemical just like leaves from shit from urine from garbage from plastic from just just uh, 10 years from now uh, ammonia will be a trillion dollar energy business i can say that because of Japan. Japan has decided that we're going to be a hydrogen economy and we don't care how much it costs. Uh, the reason they've done that is they import about 97% of their energy. They don't like nuclear plants. They haven't worked out real well. <laughs> Still paying for that one. So, you know, besides their nuclear base, they, they, they are an importing country, and it is very expensive to import energy. Uh, and the Brazilians found out about 30 years ago from the World Bank, they did a little study, and they said, hey, we got all this sugarcane, and we got all this land, and we can bulldoze a bunch of it, and we can make alcohol fuel. We can make ethanol. 
Are we better off bulldozing the rainforest and making ethanol? Or are we better off importing oil? You know what the answer was. Mm -hmm. The answer was you can spend 10 times as much on domestic energy production and an infrastructure than you spend simply importing that energy. And your economy is net level. Why? Well, because about 70% of that money, if it's spent inside your economy, stays in your economy just within the social infrastructure through the corporate and personal and labor and tax. The other 30% is profit, but just swishes around the toilet in your own economy as well. Or you can take your currency, you can ship it out of your country, you can devalue your currency, and they will come back and buy your industries for 50 cents on the dollar, and the cycle continues. Why is Donald Trump in Venezuela? For democracy. (laughs) So you see? So you're right. I've been, for 40 years, been saying, hello. And in this country, it's a waste of time. But Japan, Japan, Japan said to the Saudis, it's effective 2022, we're not buying any more oil. If you can't send us hydrogen, liquid hydrogen, or ammonia, we're not interested. And they sign a contract. And these are all the big companies like in the world. eh? All the big guys that are in this business are now in this business. All the big manufacturers. all the, uh, Yara, the largest fertilizer company in the world, made ammonia for 100 years from electricity and water in Iceland, right? All the big engineering companies are now in this. They're building electrolytic hydrogen ammonia plants in Australia. They're building them in, in the U.K., Okay. So all the big boys all over the world are playing. And Japan then said to, uh, to uh, Australia, uh, we don't buy any natural gas after 2022. And Australia said, we'll convert it to ammonia. And they said, great, we don't give a fuck as long as we don't get the carbon. <laughs> but they said, but uh, we want to sell you ammonia made from electricity too because we have the highest efficient solar ammonia place on earth right get hot over there right uh so 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 yeah so there's there's some billion dollar contracts in the works already uh and there's going to be some some more so when you can get green energy green greener energy truly greener energy Mm -hmm. whether it comes from a fossil fuel or it comes from a renewable source that you can now store and transport, which you can't before, um, mm-hmm. cheaper than you can buy fossil fuels, what will you do? Invest in your own economy? Absolutely. And that's all we have to do. Okay, We have to invest in the technologies that we can develop here that are our own, uh, that relieve us from the stranglehold of imported energy. And we have to do it in a way uh, without 
subsidizing it because if we subsidize it, we violate uh, trade agreements and we end up paying the capitalists anyway. So we have to do it in a way uh, that is, is, is legal and passes trade. So back to Brazil. What did Brazil do and how did it work out? So Brazil said, okay, let's bulldoze a couple of hundred thousand hectares of rainforest. And then let's make alcohol. And they did it the first year, and it worked really good. And then the monsoons came, and it washed away all their their uh, sugarcane plants. And they said, no problem. Let's get the bulldozers out there, and uh, we'll see if we can hit another couple hundred thousand hectares. And they did that for about 10 years and bulldozed, you know, several million hectares of rainforest to grow sugarcane that got washed away in the rain. And then I guess they, some Saskatchewan farmer said, uh, tree rows. <laughs> hey, you guys, tree rows. And they said, what? And so they planted a bunch of tree rows, and they didn't have to bulldoze a couple hundred thousand hectares every year over and over and over and over. And they reclaimed all of the lost land that they lost in replanting of hectares. And 25 years after that advice from the, the World Bank, Brazil became a net energy exporter. It has exported energy. It doesn't import it. Uh, but there's one other interesting thing. When this experiment started, the global alcohol fuels and conversion vehicle kit, truck, car business globally was 20 or 30 million. And what's the application? All the different things they used alcohol for, alcohol fuels for, back then. Yeah, but what in Let me finish. Okay. 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 Just 25 years later, there wasn't an alcohol-fueled car or vehicle built anywhere in the world that wasn't built in Brazil. And they were a 100% alcohol economy. No fossil fuels, no oil, no gas, no nothing. And the industry was worth about $15 billion. So they went from having nothing in a $50 million industry to almost all of a $15 billion annual industry. And that's what happened. Okay. They replaced imported oil. They used, they made some big mistakes environmentally in the beginning. But they, you know, they made the mistakes. They learned from the mistakes. It was cheaper for them to not bulldoze rainforest everywhere. We got to figure a way out. They figured a way out. They spent the money. They had the public policy. They taxed the shit out of oil. Here it is. Oh, oil? <laughs> sure, you can have your Mercedes run on diesel. And, and gas was 10 bucks a gallon, right? And, and alcohol fuels was you know, a dollar a gallon. Um, and it gave them a huge economic advantage, not only because they built an alcohol fuels industry, fueling stations and infrastructure and vehicles and generators and the whole nine yards, but they got all the ancillary industry that goes with that too. Right? That was just a win, 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 win. So the short answer is, because I cut you off there when you tried to ask me something, it you know, it, what, it was the consequence of producing 
their own energy mm -hmm. that was the big win. And they did it in a way that they didn't violate trade deals. So, no, you started asking Well, I just wondered because I, I don't know of a practical application where alcohol solely oh, used for fuel. Oh, it's fuel. It's used for vehicles, generators, heating, air conditioning, and, sorry, industrial applications. They don't burn, burn diesel in their factory stuff. <laughs> no, no, no. They burn alcohol. Okay, They burn it to generate electricity. They don't burn diesel down there. Because they're making the alcohol. They make their own alcohol. Why would I import something at $50 a barrel when I can make the same amount of energy with less carbon uh, for, for, for $5 a barrel? And what's Now, environmentally, said, it's a different issue. But then, you know, right. you know, the oil came, the carbon in the oil came from somewhere, right? And then there is a life cycle consequence and cost to that. But the world doesn't care. So in relation to trade deals, then, in reference to ammonias instead of alcohol and comparing to Brazil, what type of problems does that put Canada or any country like Canada in if they start generating their own? Brazil could take all that alcohol fuel and make ammonia and urea out of it and not emit any of the carbon and make more money. Right, I get that. But how does what's the trade deals you got to be worried about? If you subsidize, if you subsidize, if you subsidize, you got to oh, worry about right, trade consequences, right? right? Trudeau is going to tax, it applies carbon tax, not the life cycle tax that disappeared, and what we're going to get is going to be a joke, uh, and it's going to exempt all the greens, and, it, and he's already exempted all the natural gas. We close coal plants to open natural gas plants. The harm from natural gas over the next fifty years. Is catastrophic. The harm from carbon is over five years, five hundred years. In fifty years, we could get totally off fossil fuels entirely. Okay. Oh, more harm. Okay, and then he exempts all natural gas plants built before two thousand and twenty-three from emissions, all emissions, and he exempts all natural gas plants built after two thousand and twenty-three. So long as no more than a third of the power is used on the grid. What do you think these guys are going to use for their enhanced oil recovery? They're going to use gas to make electricity. That's what they're going to do. Because they can get away with it environmentally. They couldn't use the gas to enhance the oil and gas. They'd have to pay a carbon tax. Oh, oh wait a minute. Oh, oops. Geez, he exempted them 90%. That's right. So where? Okay, so wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, okay. So the net emissions, the net harm, the net pollution, the net price on pollution from Trudeau's policies for about the next 20, 15 years are actually worse than if he did absolutely nothing. If he had nothing, we're going to be worse off. Because the big emitters don't pay, so they're not going to stop. What if, why will that? I'm exempt. It's a $50 a ton carbon tax. I'm exempt 90%. Here's your five bucks. You give a fuck. Well, pardon my language. Because you know what happens, eh? Here's the thing, eh? And this is the big lie. The, the farmers in the United States and the fertilizer industry, you say. So you ask them, are they going to pay a carbon tax? And they say, if you charge me, one dollar a ton. Every ton of ammonia will have 1.8 tons of carbon. In Canada, it's a little lower because we use some of it, right? So, but 
So it'll cost me a dollar eighty a ton. If you charge me a dollar eighty a ton for ammonia, tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna tell you to stuff your ammonia, and I'm gonna buy it from China, where they make it from coal, where it releases four point five tons per ton of ammonia of carbon in the air. And it only costs me a dollar a ton to ship it here. So what's the reply to a dollar eighty? Okay. Now, if he applied the full carbon tax at twenty dollars, it's thirty eight dollars a ton. You think if they're not going to give Trudeau two bucks a ton for a carbon tax, you think they're going to give them 40? And that's at 20 a ton. What happens at 50 a ton? It's $100 a ton carbon tax. Okay, okay, wait, 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 simple math. Wait, wait, don't follow this now. You really get this at the end. 80% of the cost of making ammonia is the natural gas. Ammonia only costs $100 a ton to make. CapEx, investments, payroll, decommissioning, the whole nine yards. Costs another 100 bucks a ton for the gas. At $50 a ton, you can make the ammonia free. It's, it's ludicrous. It's, it's insane. The carbon tax should be an environment tax. It's called user pay. You use, you pay. Not my kids that are riding the bus. Not my kids that are taking their bicycles. Not the kids in China or in their, 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 that have the lithium lakes that they get to swim in, the tailing ponds from lithium mining. Not the kids in Africa that are mining the uh, the uh, um, rare earth m- minerals materials, including the, for, needed for the magnets for wind energy. Who who's paying for that? That's clean green energy. There's no pollution from green energy. No so- social cost at all. There's a, green doesn't hurt anybody. It's good for owls and birds and fishies. But what's the truth, right? The truth is the life cycle analysis of all forms of energy will show you that green is not clean. Uh, Probably the best green of all is battery. It is. But only when the electricity that you use to make it is green. And even then, it's marginal. If the electricity you use to make it is coal... You're a loser. Remember, people forget this. Battery vehicles weigh a lot more than the same thing on gasoline. They go through a lot more tires. Rubber in ecosystem is a pollutant. It matters. It contains benzene, carbamine, all kinds of nasty things, and it breaks down in the environment, and our fishes are full of it, and our plankton is all full of it. 
right? But a green will tell you, oh, my battery car is green. And I got a $7,000 subsidy, and I get to drive 80 kilometers in the HLV lane. <laughs> Pardon me. So what we need is we need a life cycle cost in the production and utilization of all forms of energy. In fact, we need it for everything. Cradle to grave. Beer Every can, product. In the price. Everything. Your packaging. And everything. And then here's where you're with. Oh, well, you can't start including the social cost, can you? You don't. You don't need to because the social cost. this would be $100. No, a no, 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 no. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You don't have to go there because the social costs are captured in the net benefit. Let me explain. <clears throat> when you have a life cycle cost, the environmental cost of transporting the goods from China to Canada matters, mm -hmm. especially when they're burning bunker fuel oil. where 10% of the world's pollution comes from ships, about 5% from luxury ships. Going on a vacation, are we? Okay. So when you add the life cycle emissions where they make it, because they're not going to have the same standards we are, that's an import duty, right? So that's in the price. And then, you know, you add the energy, the emissions that is used to get it here to the price, okay? Mm -hmm. transportation component of manufacturer's costs again becomes a number. The last time it became a number was when oil was about 150 a barrel. What's it now? Half that? It's, you know, it's 50 a barrel. 50. Okay. When oil gets up to 150 a barrel, they start closing plants in China and Taiwan and et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Because the transportation costs on a shipload of dollar store crap is worth more than the retail value of everything on the ship. Costs a lot of money. Okay? And so what happens is, is that when you have that life cycle costing, when you have a user pay economy, instead of people throwing away the toaster or, you know, the washer, because you can't get parts to fix anything from these major manufacturers anymore. It's certainly uh, true with LG, right? Mm -hmm. um, you can't repair it. Just buy a new one. Right? You have to buy a new one. Well, all of a sudden, uh, when they get the life cycle costs in there, that new one ain't $495. It's $995 because we don't make them. Oh, you make them in Canada? Oh, well, they're only $495 legally under a trade deal without government subsidies and grants. Um but but what also happens is is that someone can make themselves fifty to a hundred thousand dollars a year a good living opening a small repair shop. And so what happens is is instead of this stuff ending up in landfill or wasted, it actually eighty to ninety percent of it, as soon as transportation costs becomes a big enough number, it all gets flipped and it all gets diverted into a reuse or recycle. And recycling right now, the, what we're facing is a great example. There's another great scam. Oh, yeah. Okay? Half of it end up being burned in incinerators or buried anyways. And what was it was shipped to China. And China said two years ago, Sends it back fuck to you, we don't want it anymore. We got people with matches and straws burning plastic so that they can, they can test the ones with benzene in it because that they can refine into oil. 
So we're having kids, we have a generation causing cancer and killing themselves in recycling plants just to get the valuable stuff. And we got a mountain of it the size of, you know, whatever, Mount Everest. Let's stuff it up your ass. Well, you know, if when you bought that plastic packaging, there was a 25 cent charge, mm-hmm. unless you returned it. Mm-hmm. And even when you did, you only got 12 and a half cents back. What percentage of that packaging you think would end up in a landfill? And the companies would start using a lot less damaging packaging. They'd be like craft. What paper. percentage of beer cans and beer bottles end up in landfills? How many? Hello? Small point production. So what you're able to do is you're able to you're able to flip the negative side of of, of capitalism of globalism. Okay, you're able to use it against itself because just because they can produce something over in the third world at a dollar a day labor doesn't mean they can get it into country without the rest of the costs. They might be able to get it in. You see. So when you add the transportation costs, when you add the environmental costs, when you add, you add all those things and it lands at a store here, it's not all of a sudden half the price or a third the price of anything anymore. Mm-hmm. And you make sure that you have your made, in, your, your made in origin stickers. You make sure that everything you buy, I don't give a shit what it is, has the flag of the country that made it right where you can see it. And make that a law. Oh, I don't want the flag of Japan or the flag of China on my $6,000 stainless steel fridge. Oh. oh, you don't. Well, you can buy one in Canada from Canada without the flag or with the flag. But oh. if you buy it from anywhere else, <laughs> it's, and it has to be at least three inches by three inches, <laughs> like the Quebec language law. So that everybody knows you're a cheap asshole that bought this crap from China and put people out of work here. And let consumerism do for us what it should do. Let the market take care of it. Let the market, you know, the the union isn't, it's a little crazy, but it's not too crazy when they say anything with a letter C or whatever, what is it, a letter A or B? Don't buy a car with a letter B because it's made in Mexico. Don't buy a GM product unless it's made in America or Canada. Like, okay, why? Well, we're pissed GM's opening plants there because we have a trade deal that allows them to do it. So let's penalize GM. For wouldn't you? Wouldn't would actually the right thing to do be to penalize the retards that? Pardon me, I just can't say that word. So sorry, apologize. The mentally deficient people <laughs> <laughs> that passed that law, like, like you mean the free trade agreement? Well, yeah. yeah. That pass a free trade agreement because that says... Because is GM's taking advantage of a law. That says, okay, you can, you can do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How? Okay. So, we don't have free trade. No. We have republicanism. That's what we have. We have the robber barons, eh, of old. It, it, it used to be the sea captains would come in and rob you. But now, no, no, no. We got the captains of industry that do it. Okay. Oh, we don't like your policy. Ah, hey, Don, send in the army. We need a coup. Oh, hey, oh, we, we want to get some weapons to the Iran Contras. Well, j- Jesus, Mister President, you can't do it. You got to have congressional approval. 
Okay, go to our friends in Central America. Let's get some cocaine. Let's sell it on the street in New York City and Los Angeles. And then let's use the money to fund the Iran-Contras. Ollie, get on it. Yes, Mr. President. And what happens when he gets caught? He gets sentenced. And then Reagan pardons him. Right? Like... <laughs> you can tell your kids, you know, go to school, go to church or the mosque or whatever, and, and do good and be honest, and, but don't let them watch the news. <laughs> 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 Mommy, Daddy, don't let them read the, the president is crazy. Yeah, and that's how you, and, and when you grow up, you too, you too can be rich and be just like that. I mean, come on. And see, it's not, and it's not only Reagan. It's the story, it's not only uh Reagan is it's the Democrats too it's they're all the same right when it comes right down to it well, we have the same party the Republicans and the Democrats well it's exactly like the same exactly and the, and, they're, and the liberals and the liberal. conservatives are exactly the same and Just when the NDP name. occasionally fluke into power with a majority they, the same they turn into the same thing Bob Ray did take care okay? of your friends and your sponsors take care of your friends and buddies and make sure you point you'll point if you can you get enough judicial appointments or, so, or so just straight. Oh no, no, no! You got to fill up. You got to fill up the courts as fast as you can. Yeah. That's the most important thing of all. Or boards? No, not boards. boards. No, no, boards are no good. They don't rule. <laughs> <laughs> you want to change a society? You just got to fill up the courts. What do you think, uh, uh, Mister Mister Trump has done in the United States? It's going to take two generations, eh? He's Be- no dummy, huh? Oh, yeah. That's the answer. I don't care what the politicians do. We'll just tell them it's unconstitutional. Yeah, but you guys just violated the Constitution. Yeah, that's right. We're the Supreme Court. Next. <laughs> oh, well, what are your reasons? We don't have to give reasons. Bye-bye. And pick everyone's yeah, ch- yeah, check up on yeah, the yeah. And, and, and by the way, we're, there's a cost award against you for asking for reasons. <laughs> I have a line I use my wife does not like, but I use it anyway. You want justice? Go to the bank. Get a handful of $20 bills. Go to the strip bar. You can get it $20 a dance. For every $20 you spend, you can get your justice. Okay? If you like to get fucked, go to court. (laughs) 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 We got to go. Yes, you're done. Thanks for having us. Uh, uh, You probably know this AVP spy is on YouTube. Since how many beers did you give him, Jim? (laughs) This Probably is the this know. is the second one. So somebody follows one of us on Twitter, I think. All right. I just put it on Facebook. <coughs> well, thanks for having me. Cheers. See, this is the guy that's pounding him back. Oh, I'm I'm, I'm kidding. Yeah. I want to know uh, small point production. Can I make this stuff and sell it back to the grid? Yeah, sell it and like how 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 efficient? Small scale. Good point. Thanks. Great question. Because that's uh, the ultimate goal. Well, that's and that's the answer. Everyone a producer, right? And that is the answer. Um, and 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 it's not quite down to you can do it in your own backyard. Um, you can certainly do it uh, in an agricultural in a farm. Uh, you can do it in community power. So you can do it. How labor intensive would it be on a farm? Let's say, like, how many people on that job? And how much time does that entail? Well, infrastructure. if you're talking about manufacturing a product and you're yeah. going to have to have the people that are doing it, you're going to have to have the safety materials so not, and records. Not, it's not, it's not, it's not you're going to, you know, it's a family farm where the family and the four or five kids are running the farm are probably not going to be making their own fuel okay. now. Mm-hmm. But within five years or so, 
uh, not the kids. I mean, they're they're off. I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're not not talking about the kids, but um, because 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 we have the technology now. They're building small scale ammonia synthesis uh, plants. And there's a farm uh, in Minnesota from the University of Minnesota, and they have a solar facility, and they use solar and wind to electrolyze water into hydrogen and oxygen. And then they have an air compression unit that liquefies air and spins off the oxygen and nitrogen from air. And then they have a Haber plant that synthesizes the hydrogen and nitrogen together to make ammonia. And that ammonia runs the farm tractor on that farm that harvests the crops and provides the electricity for that farm when the wind and solar uh, is off and there's no capacity. Mm -hmm. They don't need batteries. They're using ammonia as batteries. And that's the secret. Ammonia doesn't give you four hours of storage. It gives you four months of storage, okay? Once you pay for that infrastructure, you can store a hell of a lot of fuel, okay? As I'm saying, you can store twice as much almost uh, energy from natural gas in ammonia in the infrastructure at the end use because it's so much more efficient without building a single pipeline, not even one. So can you imagine if we could double the revenue we have in this country from our fo- our resources, our fossil fuel? Well, we could in five years. That's all it would take us to build these plants. And all of this technology exists. None of this is brand new, right? They've been making ammonia for 100 years, and they made it for 80 years from electricity and water. But what is new is the scale. And it is becoming small scale. I'll give you a great example. Um, uh, in Africa, in cell towers, um, they have a bit of a problem if you use diesel fuel. Unless you have armed security guards with machine guns 24 hours around every one of your cell power repeater station protecting your diesel fuel for your generator, your diesel fuel will be stolen. That's the way it is. So then they tried, uh, uh, you know, I don't gas. Of course, that's gone too. So then they tried chipping in propane. And so there's the village idiots leaving with a balloon. Looks like a condom, only it's about 50 feet long and 10 feet around. And they just go up with these giant gas bags and they open the valve and they fill up their gas and they take it home and they put it in the yard there by the hut. That's what they use for heating and cooking. Dang, the cell tower is down again. Why? Well, there's no fuel. So they said, gee, we got to come up with a fuel that they won't steal. So someone said the U.S. military had a great idea, a portable nuclear reactor. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm not kidding about the the U.S. military had that idea. They actually had the idea to ship a portable nuclear reactor to the front lines and make ammonia, and they build cars and trains and planes and trucks and tanks. And then someone at the Nuclear Regulatory Committee went to a congressional hearing, and someone said, hey, what's going to happen when they blow up that nuclear reactor? And the general said, no problem. We're just not going to fight over that land for about 10,000 years. So so I, I segue back to me. And then someone said, well, all you got to do is a portable nuclear reactor. No, hardly, right? So what did they do? Why don't we get an ammonia fuel cell? Why? Because they will never, ever touch that ammonia. Why? Because ammonia won't burn unless you got one of Vezzi's conversion kits. You can't burn it. They can't use it. 
even if they knew how to handle it, even if they had the face mask and the gloves, and the, <laughs> they can't use it in the burner. They can't put it underneath their little fireplace and light a match to the gas bag with a with a garden hose. Okay? They can't use it. So all those cell towers in Africa, 50 of them, repeater towers, are fueled by ammonia fuel cells. Now, is that cheap? Hell no. It's about 10 times the cost of diesel fuel if they don't steal it. <laughs> are they still running? Yes. Why? Because it's cheaper. So Now, that's an extreme example of, of where you'd use ammonia. But that's a classic example. And so if you take that thinking, okay, wait a minute. Where can I use ammonia where I'm using something else? Let's take out because they're stealing it. And let's include the other factors. I can make it domestically. You know, I can, you know, I can, I can manufacture it beside a natural gas power plant and, and, and get clean electricity out of it. I can, I can, I can. And then you have to look at each application. Okay? And, and, a, and, a, and a great one for Canada and our feminist prime minister is <coughs> that cares about our First Nations and, <coughs> and, and, and them having clean water and electricity. Uh, and Kathleen Wynne. Uh, was the proposal to build, uh, and they're building it, a transmission line from Thunder Bay to uh, 16, uh, 12, 16 First Nations in northern Ontario, 1,700-kilometer transmission line uh, uh, to replace their diesel generators. Uh, except there's no power plant in Thunder Bay. And the only power they're going <laughs> to The only power they're going to get for it is interruptible power that's spilled from the grid so you can generate in southern Ontario and ship it to Thunder Bay for the First Nations to use. Real nice. No transmission losses there, boys and girls. Absolutely none, hey? Oh, my God. Okay? And guess what they've got as a plan to back up that electricity? Diesel. Diesel. (laughs) (laughs) So we're replacing diesel? With really, really, really expensive diesel. <laughs> so we wrote a proposal, man. We submitted our proposal, and we can do it for a quarter of the cost for the first 10 years and a tenth of the cost thereafter because it's cheaper to make it up there from wind and solar because you could make ammonia there. It's, it's grid scale. It takes 10 years to build the plants and and the infrastructure, and you're there. And that's using today's technology, having the project costed by, you know, Siemens or one of the big companies that are in this space, right? The Ontario government can go away. Mm-hmm. Look, I was the only person in Ontario that intervened into Doug Ford's uh, challenge of, of uh, Trudeau's carbon tax, the same as the case in Saskatchewan. Really? I was the only person that was refused intervention, oh. the right to intervene. Oh. I was not allowed to intervene. The court said, yes, you're an expert on alternative energy and ammonia and the environment, but the carbon tax isn't about the environment. And they wouldn't hear from me. And I said to the court two things. I'm not a lawyer, um, and I will get the law right, but I've told you what I want to argue, Section 2, Section 3, and Section 7, and they don't want to go there, right? Holy fuck, we don't hear this. Um, uh, And uh, uh, the basic fundamental right... Of 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 uh, of uh, of uh, of um, 
I forget the legal term, but uh, unfair application. A piece of legislation cannot in its practice or enactment uh, 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 do not do what it's designed to do. You can't have legislation that says we're going to reduce pollution and then increase pollution. pollution. You, you can't, right? So, so I wanted to make this argument, and of course they didn't want to hear it, right? And uh, and of course you get all the lobbyists there. There were eight, nine people in favor of Trudeau at this that they accepted, and three in favor of Ontario. They could have let me go, right? I was against Trudeau, and I was against Ontario, um, uh, but they let the guys in from the Eco Commission. The guys that are their, their partners and shareholders and contributors are the oil and gas industry and uh, the ethanol guys that, of course, submit that the best thing for the environment is to increase the minimum mandate from 5% of fuels to 15%. And they're going to sit there and tell that judge that Trudeau's policy is good because it's going gonna, it's gonna to lower carbon emissions. But the net pollution from what Trudeau is going to do is far, 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 far worse for our environment, for our kids, and for our grandkids than the carbon. And the the courts in Ontario, the Court of Appeal, refused me the right to submit evidence on that. And here's the reason they did it. When it gets appealed to the Supreme Court, I will intervene. The court will say, you can't put any new evidence in. Evidence, this record is a complete record. You had to put your evidence in at the lower level. And I'll say to the court, but your honor, they wouldn't hear me. They heard from David Suzuki. They heard from the sisters of Mount Cashel in Montreal. They heard from, okay, they heard from from Jason Kenney twice. From the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. It's got four people there. But they wouldn't hear from me because they knew that when I appealed it, you'd say it's a complete record. So you have to let me put the evidence in. And the court's going to say no. Now there's a way around that, <laughs> which I can't speak about now. Yeah, but, but be prepared. Just, well, just find a new way to fuck you over and, 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 and screw, you, uh, screw you around. No, well, if I don't intervene, if I don't intervene... Uh, if I go to the court because I'm part of a lower court case that's now been started that's parallel to those two courts, I go, wait a minute, Your Honor, you're deciding this issue. They wouldn't let me intervene in that appeal. Fine, I filed a constitutional challenge against all of all of it. <laughs> with a lawyer, with a 5,450-page research document created by the professor at the University of Ontario, which is called the Comprehensive Energy Analysis. It's everything there is known to man about energy has been put in one 5,000-page book. Everything that's known to man is in one book. The emissions, the subsidies, the impact of subsidies, the whole thing. And the chapter on ammonia is all the work that we did with the University of Ontario and we're cited all through it. So I, and I told the judge that. I, told, I have the evidence to prove that none of these people will tell you the truth. They will cherry pick the things that help them and they will make sure, both sides, that you never hear the things that will hurt them. Well, I'm sorry, Mr. Vesna. Check, please. You know, Jim, I just, I shake my head. I just, 
I'm 62 years old. I started this when I was 23. My wife was 19. <sighs> you know, and I've been right. We've been right all along. And not only right about ammonia, but we've been right about democracy. We've been right about uh, first past the post. We've been right about we need referendum. Mike Harris got elected on pa promising a referenda bill and drafted a bill and then the, lost the, the, the plebiscite in Toronto and said, okay, well, I'm not giving him a referenda law. Like, Dalton McGuinney got elected because he promised a referendum on proportional representation and to campaign in favor of it. He got a big majority, then he made it a 60% majority in all the ridings to pass, and then he campaigned against it. Justin Trudeau got a big majority, promising last election on first-past-the-post. End of PMO control, free votes, open Democratic nominations, freedom of information, lied about them all. I think he's going to be penalized for that one. Oh, he's going to get it now. Because there's a lot of people remembering. No, I no, he's going to get it now. If, 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 uh, if, uh, if Judy, we don't have a good opposition. If Jody Raybal hadn't showed up on the, on the screen, he was on his way. Yeah. Now it's over. Yeah. Because it's all people, covered up now. Well, you know, but people realize. Okay, to be honest, that he is just as much a piece of shit as every other one of them. He's a player. Okay. He's a liar. He's yeah. a bold face, to your face. Liar. And the thing is that amazes me is his constituency, women, believe him. Mm -hmm. And all they got to do is follow the money. Political tax credits. I've asked every prime minister since his daddy to make them refundable. I ha and Mike Harris did it. He introduced a bill in 1991, in 1989, when they had, you know, when they were uh, the opposition. And, uh, he, no, he was House Leader. Yeah, they, they were the opposition. And uh, when he got to be Premier, he did it. He actually did it. He made them refundable. Uh, in Ontario, the first two or three years that we had refundable tax credits, exactly 100%, every single person who made a political contribution, who got a receipt, claimed the credit. Ten years later, by 2013, 14, 15, 99 .9 to 99.8% of people who contributed to a political party in Ontario and got a receipt got the credit. Federally, it's averaged between 50 and 53%. Now, federally, you only get the tax credit if you have tax payable. Let's, let's do a little feminist logic here. Who are the wealthiest in society as a subgroup? One-legged native lesbians? <laughs> Women. Women. In parents, who are the lowest income of parents? Single parents. Women. Amongst the disabled, who are the lowest income of the disabled? Women. Amongst immigrants, who are the lowest income of immigrants? Women. <laughs> All right. Who's the highest income? Men. Who's the highest class of all? White men. 
women have 70% of the income. An immigrant woman or a minority woman has 43% of the income of the average white man. The 47% of federal political tax credits that weren't claimed were claimed by women, the disabled, poor, immigrants. Not a single person, 18 or under, who made a political tax contrib- political contribution and got a federal receipt qualified for the tax credit. But we want young people involved in politics. <laughs> We want women involved in politics, uh, and we're going to open up nominations for you in any one of the 182 ridings we didn't win. So we're going to make sure that you have a nomination in a riding where for sure you have a chance, two chances, slim and none. (laughs) Okay, And we're going to rig the money game so that if you want your campaign financed, you have to go to the Judy LaMarche fund where you can contribute to women liberal candidates and Mr. Bronfman had a finance for the liberal party <laughs> will decide if you qualify give me a break he's the biggest lying hypocrite that Canada has ever seen in politics he makes lying Brian Maroney look like he's telling the truth when he says he's Canada's greenest prime minister, and I'm not talking about bags of money. Okay? He is an absolute, total, 100% letdown to the people that we need to save us. Young people, women, minorities, the poor. Unless these people have a fair say in our democracy and in our system and in our laws, we're not a civilized society. There's no equality. And as long as you keep the rules to rigged so that they can't get in unless they're handpicked, a preferred candidate, he says. You're preferred. We're not having a riding nomination. Well, well, we don't have a sitting MP. Yeah, I know, but we're extending the rule because the prime minister can appoint whoever he wants. Because remember, we just changed the Constitution. Remember, sunny ways. I became the leader. I had a Constitution convention. I rigged the executive. I changed the Constitution saying you have no right for appeal. You can't go to court. You apply to be a candidate. You sign a form that says I give up all my rights, and any appeal will be done by the person that just turned you down. And, and I, the courts say, you're not allowed to interfere in the workings of a political party. But I didn't sign no form, Your Honor. Doesn't matter. But wait a minute, Your Honor. If you can't run as a liberal or conservative, you can't get to Parliament. And the Charter says I have, under Section 3, the right to a seat in Parliament. So they got the rules fixed so that all these women, poor, First Nations, <laughs> immigrants, minority, they'll never get a seat in Parliament. So our Charter is meaningless. Correct. And I actually think I was so happy to get rid of Harper. Yeah. For this guy? I was actually hopeful. I was. I was. I was hopeful I was walking when they walked down with their gender-balanced freaking <coughs> cabinet, which I don't believe in quotas or genitalia, you know, yeah. preference yeah. and that yeah. kind That's of stuff. That's the article I wrote in Best the Sun. Best person yeah. for the job. Yeah. But I actually, he had me. I was tweeting out, it's a new day. He had us. We went to Montreal to the convention. 
Well, I helped yeah, the son a of a bitch become leader. And then I worked my ass off to defeat every conservative I could. Meanwhile, a year before, I'd got so fed up with Kathleen Wynne's bullshit, I'd started the none of the above party <laughs> and ran in the election for eight candidates in the election before that. But I still, knowing, knowing, knowing what was going to happen, yeah. okay, I believed it. Eh? I drank the Kool-Aid, eh? Oh, God. So, oh, you I know. I feel so bad. Man. Oh, I, Vez, Vez <laughs> drank the Kool-Aid. Oh, my God. And I was a Dalton McGinty liberal. We made a deal at the, uh, at the, at the Harbor 60 Steakhouse with Dalton and Gerald Butts, Murray McLaughlin, the singer, Peter Regan Streif, the Tory political analyst, and me. We had private dinner, and we made a deal. And Dalton said, you'll support us. I said, I'll support you. I'll run for a nomination in Mississauga if you want. I did run for the nomination, and Greg Sobera came and said, we got a preferred candidate. You step down. We'll take good care of you. Sure, Greg. Okay, I'll do that. I step down. I work for Dalton. Wins a big majority. What happens to the referendum? We had it. I'm campaigning against it. It'll double the amount of politician. Don't do it. Don't do it. Oh, oh, but we had a referendum. Like, And I still stayed because we're going to introduce a green policy. I thought, okay, finally, finally. And out comes the green policy. Gerald goes out to the World Wildlife Fund to make whatever, whatever to you know, to, to make lots of money so that he can get a three hundred thousand dollars severance for resigning, uh, even though he wasn't entitled because he had to get paid to work on Justin's campaign until Justin won. So having three hundred thousand in the bank, severance from quitting your job, where you're not entitled to severance from the World Wildlife Fund, where your Canadian taxpayers are paying for it with charitable tax credits. Don't you love democracy? I love democracy. So, yeah. And, uh, oh, what happened to Green? Oh, Jerry was gone. And what happened to Green Plan? <sighs> it got smithermaned. Eh? And what happened? Richardson or whoever it is, Greenfields, whatever the hell their name is, 465000 we get you $163 million. <gasps> Oh, wait a minute. Well, the party president. Hey, 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 hey. Liberal Party president. What the hell was his name again? Uh, president of the Liberal Party. Guy in the CBC News has got the same name. Uh, 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 oh, Jesus. Oh, I, I got green contracts. $400 million green contracts. His company. President of the Liberal Party. Mm. Yeah. We made four funding applications with the university. They each cost us a lot of money to make. Every single one of them was turned down. And this professor just published the 5,450-page Bible on energy. And they turned us down. They gave ethanol from coal and hydrocarbons from they gave 95% funding for hydrocarbon fuel research 95% research technology demonstrating great ways to use fossil fuels great green technologies 
green methane. Let's take the methane from the garbage dump, so we've been venting, which is a bad thing, and we'll suck it off, and now that's green methane. That's a good thing. Oh, I got an even better one. Let's make hydrogen from electricity and pump it into the natural gas pipelines. We think we can put about 5% in before you have metal embrittlement. Oh, what's metal embrittlement? Well, you see, the hydrogen molecule is very small. And so when you put hydrogen in a natural gas pipeline, oh, we'll mix it all up. We'll use a big spoon in there and we'll mix it all up like a big cooking spoon. But actually, when you put hydrogen in a natural gas, neat hydrogen into natural gas, it does not mix 100%. And from the point of injection, for several miles, you'll have hydrogen escaping that line. And eventually, you'll have a failure. And you won't have a failure of a couple hundred feet of line. You'll have a failure of the entire line. Catastrophic failure. In downtown Mississauga today, Hydrogenics is injecting hydrogen into the gas line along Eastgate Parkway, where the bus BRT line is. They're doing it. And they say... We think we can develop the technology to make it safe. But let us try it in downtown Mississauga. And they call it power to gas. Okay? That is how insane these politicians are. Okay? And they're getting sold this by Enbridge. Enbridge went and bought hydrogenics. Why? Because <laughs> we can keep using natural gas. We're adding hydrogen. It's clean. And then the catastrophic failure comes. What is the flammability limits of natural gas with an extra 10% hydrogen? I guarantee you it's much wider than it is without it. Mm-hmm. What is the percussion consequence of a thousand meters of that coming flying out of a pipe as it explodes because the line pressure in the line when you have a how long does it take them to turn the line off okay well let's see the ground metered measurement will probably be three times that of gas hydrogen you see no flame when it blows. Okay? You don't see burnt hydrogen in air. You can't see it. You put your hand in it, it'll burn right through it. Okay? Natural gas with enhanced hydrogen or oxygen. <laughs> You're going to see all them pretty colors of the rainbow. And the percussion, the mushroom, fire cloud from that. It's retarded. Pardon me, I said it again. No. Apologize. What about the uh, forward thinkers of the day? I saw Gates on the other day. He's talking about bovine flatulence. and, and He's right. And, and, and He's right. It's a big one. The carbon or uh, what 
ever going to be affected even if we convert it. And you said this before, if we stop burning the uh, internal combustion engine today, it wouldn't like the impacts would be yeah. uh, negligible. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. you've got yeah. these geniuses who I don't know how bright he is, but Elon Musk seems to be like a futuristic, you know, forward thinker. Where are these? Well, how come these guys don't? Okay. Bill Gates them? funded uh, an organization with a billion dollars of his own money and several billion from Branson and all the boys called uh, Breakthrough Energy. The primary technology that Breakthrough Energy is funding is ammonia from electricity, green ammonia. Because 2% of the world's emissions come from the emissions for making ammonia. 2%? 2%. of the world's emissions come from marine ships. And there's a move to get marine ships, all of them, on ammonia by 2030. And man diesel and the biggest shipping companies in the world are building ammonia engines and ships and testing them today. Okay. Um, so, you know, the low, and, and so Gates is there. He's got money in the, in this field. Um, the U.S. military is in this field. Donald Trump, Donald Trump funded 16 ammonia projects. <laughs> they know. The big boys know now. They know what's coming. And they're just lining themselves up and getting ready. They're going to squeeze every nickel they can out of what they got while they can, and they'll turn on a dime. Charles Koch said, Charles Koch from Koch Industries, billionaire, second largest private company in the world, or in the United States anyways, uh, who owns 40% of Canada's uh, all sands, oil sand, <laughs> also owns Koch fertilizer, said, as soon as I can make more money in my N business than I can in my HC business, I'm going to be all over it. He said that 10 years ago. <laughs> Two years ago, he started funding green ammonia. And it took him eight years to get to the point where he could see it. So, you know, when the biggest guys in the world, when Yara, the largest fertilizer manufacturer in the world, who owns the largest private fleet <laughs> to ship their ammonia around the world, starts building green ammonia plants all over the world, uh, you know, with... Siemens with, you know, with Habertrosh, with all of the biggest companies in the world. Um, uh, and they're starting to build engines and cars and generators. And when the big boys do it, it's coming. It's inevitable because they're not the first movers. They're never the first movers. They're, they don't do anything until they have to, ever, because it costs money. And they're there. And all anybody has to do is Google green ammonia. And 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 a thousand projects. You know, Science magazine did an article in June saying that ammonia, green ammonia was the fuel of the future for a carbon free world. Well, this is science mag, right? So okay. You wanna hit anything else or you wanna go for duck? I got reminded of that today. Jake Bergsman, a buddy of mine that leads a band here in St. Catharines. Well, all over the place now, but Niagara Band. <coughs> Put us, and Ma is in the background. And I, uh, I followed them. 
I retweeted their Peking duck. Yeah. As a special, you know, I had like I scrolled down the list of tweets until I found it. It was a year old or something like that. But oh, so nice. Ma Chinese. I see you haven't missed a meal in a while. I took for I took twenty pounds off. I was two forty five. Really? I got down to two thirteen. Two twenty. But I had to start drinking again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's amazing that you know four, five, six, seven, eight, nine beers a day. I, I cut that out. That nasty shit. I went on the keto sti- keto ah. ketos, ketosis, whatever they call it, the protein, low carb, and. Well, quit alcohol pretty much. I still have occasional. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm on the carbs again now, but I've still lost my taste for beer. I don't know. I had a had a steam whistle the other night out, and it just I've been on rye and coke. I and don't drink, as you know. I only drink stout. And I don't know when you started drinking. And that. you got to get. Well, I drink Saint Ambrosio. Saint Ambrosio oatmeal stout from McGoslin Breweries in Montreal. That's testosterone. Okay. But uh, I only drink stout because it's black. It's dirty and black. And, Anything that's and, black and, you put in your body's bad for you. There's got to be something good in there. There just has to be. No. And it has oatmeal, right? So oatmeal. It's, a breakfast, it's not it's a, oatmeal. It's oatmeal. It's breakfast beer. <laughs> breakfast beer. And they even, they even have an oatmeal milk, milk stout. So you can have <coughs> your oatmeal and with milk. It's not oatmeal. Oatmeal. Okay, so this was fun. Thanks for having me. Nice. And uh, everybody... Vote strategically to defeat every liberal in the land. We want Justin Trudeau to have as many seats as Kathleen Wynne had. We want the Liberal Party to totally disappear as it did in Western Canada. The reason we have to have the Liberal Party totally disappear is it will never be honest. We cannot be moderate and sane and rational people and vote for a liberal party because it will lie to us every time. We have to go either to the far right wing extreme or the far left wing extreme and hope that our guy gets a majority. You hear me saying this, eh? Makes me sick. Sick to my stomach. Sick to my stomach. So you're recommending in every strategically vote to defeat. The liberal. I don't care if it's the Communist Party, if it's the Islamic Party that will win your riding, vote for it. Defeat these liberals so that they do not come back. Okay? Because Trudeau will nominate his daughter in two years. The first 12-year-old to be a party leader and prime minister. Okay? So look. Okay? We've, (laughs) We've done this movie... You've seen it before. Until the liberals. I didn't know she was 10. I just figured she was 16. No, no. She's 12. It's good. Lower the voting age to 12. Make my daughter prime minister. Head of the liberal party. It'll all be good, sunny ways. It'll be called. Um, the campaign slogan will be Unicorn farts smell like ice cream. <laughs> so, no. So get rid of them. Get them down to no party status. Bankrupt, owing ten million, selling the corporate headquarters like the NDP have now had to do. They have to sell their bequeathed headquarters. Okay, wipe them out, and then maybe someone will actually run 
for the leadership and for the party that will actually tell the truth, who will say, geez, if I run and lie like everybody else, okay, I mean it. I would rather have howdy duty leader of the Conservative Party with every single seat in the House of Commons than see Trudeau elected in 2019. That's, is there just... Is that bitterness swelling up because he, he, he drank his Kool-Aid? And- is the biggest liar <laughs> and disappointment in Canadian political history. He lied on every single thing that mattered. And he took all those people that weren't involved in politics, women, minorities, young people, and he threw away all of their hope. And now we're going to end up with a conservative, austerity prime minister that's going to make Doug Ford look like a Sunday school. And it's going to take that extreme pain and consequence and destruction for us to wake up. We're not smart enough to do it unless we get kicked in the fucking balls. Mm. And I believe it. We're too fucking stupid as a people. We have no political culture. Mm. Quebec? Quebec knows how to vote. They know when to have a bloc Quebecois that ends up as Her Majesty's official opposition. And they know when to destroy all the old line parties and give a majority to a party that didn't exist four years ago. They know. The only true Canadians are the French, eh? Because they know how to treat their politicians. We don't. And the reason they know how to treat their politicians is because Duplessis. You think Lavalin was the first corrupt deal that ever happened in Quebec? The Liberal Party is ba- it was built way back to John A. Right after John A., what did we get? You think the Tories were the only people that stole on the railroad? Come on. Liberals have been stealing since day one. The only difference between the Liberals and Conservatives when the Tories get into power, they steal the wiring, the floorboards, the roof off the joint. Brian Mulroney sold the silverware in the parliamentary restaurant, for Christ's sakes. He did. I mean, okay, the Tories are real idiots, okay? The Liberals, they're slick, okay? Oh, God. Oh, God. Uh, Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, the, well, the answer is to definitely not just starting another political party. Thanks, uh, Maxime. He's the only one making sense out there these days. But. You can start another political party, and you can complain to the chief electoral officer that he told the parliamentary committee that as soon as the government made a law on debates, that you had to include the smaller parties because now it's a government regulation in the charter, and you can file a complaint to him, and you could say, chief electoral officer, you should tell the broadcasters that if they don't have another program for the smaller parties, that it's an illegal corporate contribution because corporate contributions are legal now, and it's affecting the outcome of election. And you can file that complaint. And you know what he'll say? Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> and then he'll go to the intra-parliamentary union, And they will set rules for elections in Zimbabwe, exactly as I just told you they should be. They'll go all over the world and say, you have to let your small parties on television. The United Nations Declaration on Human Rights says you do it. The International Convention on Political Rights says they have free access to the media. The public owns the media. Just not here. But not Canada, because we have a charter. 
We're the democracy that everybody should look up to. And if you want to do international contracts, half of the companies that do them that are on the U.N. corruption list are Canadian. So come and see us because we can get the contract approved. And when we get caught, we'll just get the law written so that we can do it again. It's like living in Putin's Russia and the oligarchs just took everything. How much for Ontario Hydro? I bid dollar. You bid too much. I bid 50 cents. Okay, we don't take highest bidder. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And this is what we've done. It's what we've done. We've got the largest country in the world next to the Soviet Union. We've got, uh, what, 20% of the world's fresh water? We've got the third largest oil reserves on the planet Earth. We've got the fifth largest natural gas reserves on the planet Earth. We have more lumber than any other country on the planet Earth. We've got gold. We've got silver. We've got nickel. We've got tin. we got, we got, we got, we got, we got, we got, we got. Who has the lowest resource and oil royalties on Earth. Get it from the ground. Who? We do. For everything. For everything. Water, oil, everything. Gas. It's $2 for 100 million gallons of water for Nestle. Oh, and we forgot to renew our permit there 15 years ago, and we're not giving you the $19 we owe. And you have to sue us. And we're going to file a free trade complaint. And it, it happened. Like, it's ridiculous. It's ludicrous. It's ludicrous. Sit at home on your couch there, boys and girls. You're up. A frog in a pot of boiling water, and the water's boiling, and you don't have a clue. It's a shame. Do you know if I was an American? If I was an American, you know what they'd do with me? I'd be on Mount Rushmore by now. I'd be the greatest freedom fighter f- since the Alamo. But I'm in Canada. I can tell you one thing. Okay. <laughs> if I ever win the lottery, I'm going out with a bang. I can guarantee you that. Oh, my God. And, and the real shame is it doesn't have to be this way. It just doesn't. You know? We had all those minority governments with Jack, A. Eh? Horvath. Horvath had the liberals and Jack gave us by the short hairs. Well, let's have an election. Why? Well, because because the NDP won in Alberta. <laughs> Jack gave us Harper. And because the liberals got eight seats, Horvath is still there. How is that possible? Well, if the conservatives had got Forty seats. What's that? I mean, the leader wouldn't be possible? there. The Greens haven't had a freaking leadership oh, debate. Oh, let's talk about the Greens. Have you been on the Greens Facebook page? Oh my God, I posted something the other day, and I thought that I dropped a oh a stink bomb at church. I couldn't believe it. Oh, my God. <laughs> Didn't she get removed? Who? <coughs> Did they delete your comment? 
Oh, no, I don't know. No, no, a bunch of people went after me. I must, I must have had 100, 100 people come after me. One guy, and then they go off the Facebook page and they go to chat so other people can't see what they're saying. Mm-hmm. One guy got me so mad, I said, well, you know, I'm posting a link to the None of the Above Party of Canada. I wasn't going to form a federal party, but after dealing with you, no, I'm going to do it now. Tear up my Green Party of Canada membership, please. And then I showed him the part of the Constitution that says you don't have to be a member of the provincial Greens in order to be a federal Green. You can be a member of another party. Guess who wrote that amendment to the Green Constitution? You're looking at him! <laughs> you can't be a member of the Green Party! Buddy, I was the chief agent and treasurer. My wife and I lent the Green Party $25,000 when Mulroney said you needed 1000 bucks a candidate or we're going to deregister you. And we waited 10 years for our money back, interest-free. I sued the networks to the Supreme Court. I staged the only leaders' debates that the Green Party was ever on until they got maywashed. Huh? Is there any history in the Green Party on the Internet of anybody before Elizabeth May? Nope, they're gone. Maywashed. She brought the Russians in. She got Putin's people to scrub the Green Party website. Well, give me a break. She worked for Brian Mulroney, for Christ's sakes, before she came to us. You playing shit, you got some on you, boys and girls. Give me a break, Elizabeth May. You can't run into the party unless you get approved by a committee. No local dominations. When was that? Was that was that we were there? Was that there? Eh, eh, eh. We were there, the leader was a titular leader, and she had a gag or he had a gag over his mouth, and he wasn't allowed to say a word. The party spokesperson spoke. The leader wasn't supposed to have a say. Now the Greens are the fall of the leader to the slaughterhouse party, just like everybody else. They spent a million dollars, four elections in a row, to elect Elizabeth May. They spent that for four elections before they elected her. Huh? And since... This is going to be the breakthrough election. And they spent a million dollars in every election on her since. Do you know how much they spent on all the other candidates combined? 50 grand on a national campaign. It's not the Green Party. Mm. It's the May Day Party. Give me a break. Her policy is we should refine bitumen in Alberta. Refine it. We're better off. We're not shipping the carbon. But she won't say refine it into ammonia because that would actually work. Hmm. Green Party has no policy on ammonia. The energy environment guy, Richard Belshire, who was the Green Party's energy guy, put up all my ammonia stuff. Then he disappeared, and then it got all scrubbed from the Green Party website. How about Mike? Has he got any policy on you? Mike Schreiner? Hmm. He's got your buddy in there helping him. Mike Schreiner's policy is... I'm sorry we don't have open Democratic nominations. The committee will not tell me why they wouldn't approve you as a candidate, Greg Bezina. The Green Party refused to approve me as a candidate in the 2014 provincial election, and that's when I started the None of the Above Party. They refused with no reason. It wouldn't even exist if it wasn't for Kathy and I. The party wouldn't even exist. It would have been deregistered by Mulroney, it would be fucking gone. Elizabeth May would never have got on the first debate if we hadn't done what we did for 25 years before her. 
you won't see my name. <laughs> if you type Greg Vesna Green Party, you'll see the Golden Mail says, fringe debate better than the regular debate. How about your buddy from North Bay there? Yeah. Gordon Miller. The eco-commish. Well, he was my good friend until uh, he got a salary at the Green what Party. The GPO? Uh, I shouldn't say it, but Gord's a little lost. Love Gord. Some really good people were replaced. Yeah. So that they could afford to pay Gord. One of them's a friend who's got cancer and is about to die. This will all come out just in time for the next election. Just watch. <laughs> yeah, eh? Yeah. Someone's Sad. got cancer and he's dying and you fire him so you can hire Gord. Ooh, that was a nice one, Lizzie. Or uh, Mike. That was a nice one, Mike. Lizzie well, got, got elected. Lizzie's got the same problem. No, I'm not talking about before. I'm talking about after. Gord's got the 150 a year. He's around all full time. He's making more money than a leader. He's a consultant. I guess he's got to eat, but. Mm. And he comes with a nice resume, but what's he? what but, can he do at but, the GPO? But what's he done? Mm. Didn't get elected. Didn't come close. You know, and I like Gord. And he stood up for me. He was on your show. I mean, he, you know, he, he, he stood up for ammonia, but no one will listen to him. You know, he never did a report. He could have done a report when he was there with the life cycle emissions and said, just a minute, this environment, this, not using ammonia in our natural gas plants, violates the Environmental Bill of Rights all day long. Technology is available. It's known. It's cheaper. I said, help me with an Environment Bill of Rights complaint. Oh, geez, no, it'd have to be arm's length. Yeah, you got to do it yourself. Yes, uh, You want justice? <laughs> go to the bank, get a bunch of twenty dollar bills, go to strip bar, and get your justice twenty bucks a shot. If you want to get, go to court. Well, at least we're not in China. The one good thing about Canada is, the one good thing is that I've been able to—I've not got killed yet. Because if I was in most. Most other places, I would have been long gone a long time ago. I would have fallen down the stairs. I would have got hit by a beer truck. I would have special accident. I would have had a special accident. So, and that is true. Eh? In Russia, it had been a drive-by while I was walking, walking by the Russian embassy there, like the opposition leader, right? If I was in Ukraine, radiation it would, poisoning. It would be polonium tea. <laughs> if I was in most places in the Middle East, I'd be shot without trial. So you know. Beautiful. And in America, I'd just be sent to Guantanamo. Wow, two hours, man. Yeah. Man, it's not bad. Quick, it's a good show. We've been doing some good advertising. I don't know. Is there, anybody, is there anybody left watching? No. One. Ah! Thanks. Me. Thanks, viewer. Me. <laughs> yeah. oh, thanks, viewer. All right. There we are. Bunch. Check Anthony Botting, Buck Wanderers. Thank you, Buzz. Um Yeah, we could talk all day, but I want to get some duck. You got time to get some duck? Duck, 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 duck. All right. Uh, we will talk to you guys later and subscribe, like, hit the notification bell, and fuck you later. Peace out.
The First Nations clean water? No. Ever? They're going to ship it in. Here's when their nations are going to get first. That's, I'll tell you when they're going to get clean water. When they ship them all the fuck out of there down to the city. That's when they're going to get clean water. When there's none of them left up there and they don't have to have clean water, when, they're living in the city, when, that's when they'll get it. When Cretchen was the minister years ago, he said they shouldn't live here. He promised. That's right. He, he, he said, said you shouldn't live here and we're going to do whatever we can to make sure that you eventually get the from, fuck out of here. Okay, what are you doing up there? Right. They don't want to live in these remote areas. 